when a guard would stop and talk to you, you used to stand back and you would yell so people could hear what you were saying to that guard as they walked by or, or within the vicinity. But he knew what a convict was going to do before they thought of it themselves. He'd just been around that long and uh, he was tough. They'd find uh, Sparky in about every conceivable place you could imagine, which we would, of course, dump. They'd wait until everybody was locked up and he would open his door, run down to cell one, and get a bugler can full of Sparky and take it back to his cells. She had a kind of a hypnotic power. There were a great many wild cats around the penitentiary, and most people couldn't get near them. But she would stand in the doorway of the cell house and say, Kitty, 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 and those cats would go to her. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to an exciting new idea here. This is called Stool Pigeon Saturdays. And we invite in different employees, staff, volunteers of the old Iowa State Penitentiary to tell their favorite stories. Today, we have our site administrator, Amber Byerly. Amber, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you weren't lying. You're really in the trenches of history right now. We're under a foxhole, actually. <laughs> yes. Fake foxhole. It's a real deal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what do you want to talk to us about today? Well, today I'm going to talk about a story that, when I heard it the first time, just immediately spoke to my heart and my heartstrings. Um, Dan Williams came here to the old Idaho Penitentiary in 19... I got to get the date right because I'm looking at death date, which now I just gave the game away here. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, he was received June 27th, 1914 at a Fremont County. So that uh, the county seat there is St. Anthony. Give people a, a concept of that eastern Idaho. It was burglary in the second degree, and he was of the tender age of 17. Um, another interesting fact, just just given the location of where he was, you know, in Fremont County, is that he is actually a, a black man as well, which, of course, uh, not a huge population of African-American people, uh, especially during that time. Uh, he was born in Jackson, Mississippi. We know, um, I'll get into the story a little bit, so I'm going to do an overview, and then we're going to get into some of the details that just... Uh, even more bring this this uh, to light and, and and life. So Dan served less than a, a little little over, excuse me, uh, a year at the penitentiary here. After his release, he actually was doing very well. He um, ended up staying in Boise. He worked at a, a barber shop as a porter there, so kind of the doorman, kind of doing all these things. But the the warden had nothing but glowing things to say about him. Uh, suddenly, however, on March 28, 1916, we know he comes to the prison hospital. So again, he's been released. Yeah. Like he's he's no longer an inmate, no you know no obligation to go to the prison hospital, uh, so we don't know why he doesn't go to a hospital in Boise. You said he was completely released or just pardoned or paroled. Or he, he's he's paroled at he's this paroled. point, okay. but so yeah, so obviously he's having to check in. That's why the warden gotcha. knows that he's doing well. But again, he wouldn't have had any obligation to come to the prison. Uh, so again, that's March 28, 1916. Um, and actually a week later, April 4th, he passes away. The official cause of death is tubercular meningitis. Yikes. And yes, I practiced that several times <laughs> saying that. Um, and so they, they go through the record because, of course, they leave, you know, the next of kin, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And he had listed an Andrew Gus Davis as an uncle in Mississippi. Mm. 
And so the warden, John Snook, he does his due diligence. He notifies uh, as best he can through Telegram, and he gets a note back. And it says, I don't know a Dan Williams. You know, go ahead and bury there. So, of course, giving them the right to first refusal on remains um, and or direction on on things. And so so they say, okay. They bury him in the prison cemetery on April 8th, so just four days after he passed away. A month later, we see in the file that there's correspondence from the uncle that says, basically, wait a second, you know, I realize now that my, this, that my nephew, who I knew as Andrew Scott, yet I called him Jack, <laughs> so we know him oh as Jack uh, now, that he got into some trouble in Indiana and after that had changed his name and been signing things Dan Williams because he kind of wanted a new start, didn't yeah. want that name attached or anything. Mm-hmm. So he said, I think actually this might be my nephew. Is there any way you can send me a photo or something to, to confirm that it is him? And so the, the warden actually does that. He, does, he says, of course, we'll, we'll send this to you. We have buried him. And so... The uh, the uncle also asks, like, you know, what were his final days like? It's just sort of mm. this, like, did he ask about home? I mean, yes. it's just this yeah. stuff that really wrenches yeah. at your heart of, mm-hmm. like, you know, that he very much loved his nephew and had, had missed him and, and had taken care of him. His parents, um, Dan Williams Andrew, or Andrew Scott or Jack, uh-huh. uh, his parents had died at a young age, and that's mm. why his, young, his oh, uh, okay. uncle had uh, taken him in. So they, they do confirm, he says, yes, you know, that, that's my nephew. And the warden said, well, actually, we just found out that there's an insurance policy that, that Andrew took out right before he passed away. And you're owed almost $395. And, of course, the uncle said, really, all we want is a proper burial for him. So yeah. he is the only known inmate that was buried in the prison cemetery was disinterred and his body was actually moved to the proper cemetery at Morris Hill Cemetery here in Boise and that is where he is buried as as Andrew Scott and so I think honestly this story speaks um, you know it's kind of an interesting story just at face value but really there's issues of race here there's issues of communication in his time you know understanding what brought people to idaho you know he obviously had worked for railroads and that's likely what brought him here what brought a lot of people of color to this to this region during that time and then beyond all of this just because this this spoke to my heart so much i i did a little bit more digging found some relatives in Mississippi. I said, you know, I kind of, you know, I did what everybody else does. Let's be clear. We all start with Google. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and this You're Andrew. you like, stop it, boss. <laughs> <laughs> I found some relatives. I found <laughs> some relatives, right? And it's like, how do you start that? You know? <laughs> so, so I found you. Yeah, so I might have a relative of yours who was in curse, you know. Yeah. But, but it was 1916. So, But no, I, I reached out to this, this woman who had a blog post. She's a genealogist in Mississippi. Mississippi, in particular, doing a lot of research in, uh, I believe it's called Copiah County. Mm. And um, it was actually, she married into this family. So um, her uncle's cousin, I think is what it was. Or anyway, um, her, her husband's uncle's cousin. Okay. Because of course, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but at any rate, so I see this picture. I actually got to see this picture of Andrew Gus Davis as an older older man, um, much much later than, than 1916. But, you know, just kind of put that an extra face to it. So we have mm-hmm. Dan, you know, or Andrew Scott's mugshot, and they, they look alike. You know, they oh, look cool. like. But, but in my correspondence with her, 
you know, I, I talked about, you know, I, I, I can't, can't lie and say that probably racism had something to do with the fact that he wasn't, couldn't go to the hospital here in Boise and, you know, just that, that, that that's a stark reality because it doesn't make sense otherwise why we wouldn't have just gone to a local hospital knowing he's got an insurance policy. He's got these things that perhaps would be in place to take care of those sorts of things. Yeah. And she was very gracious. She, you know, I said, can I, uh, we did a presentation here and, and I said, can I use that photo? And she said, of course. I sent the inmate file. So what I appreciate about this story is just the connections that can be made, like mm-hmm. that there's this direct connection mm-hmm. now to these these folks in, in Mississippi from Idaho. Right. And beyond that, she shared it with the local library, and now they have his file. So there's a more complete local story. Yeah. And that starts right here with just some of the research that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I said, this it, it really it speaks to my heart that so many people did the right thing mm-hmm. in a time period in which we would think they yeah. wouldn't you know right, we put absolutely. so much prejudgments on the past in that mm-hmm. way and and they really were they were they were doing the right thing and so i appreciate warden snook for that mm-hmm. and he seems like an actually a really good man yeah mm-hmm. well and i i also appreciate the story because i think so much of this podcast is about bringing humanity to the walls because it's so easy to just look at these people and say oh they were inmates and they did this crime mm-hmm. what was he in for again remind me he was in for burglary okay so burglary so in yeah the i mean degree. it's easy to look at at this this man and especially back then an african-american man and and i'm sure all these people were saying well that's what he gets and all these horribly racist things um but at the end of the day he was you know someone who had people who loved him and cared for him and and that's i think what i i love about that story is that you know he i didn't i didn't know that detail about his uncle wanting to know like did he talk about home before he died like knowing i like maybe almost started tearing up because i'm just emotional (laughs) (laughs) well and as we've done um which i'm sure you guys will talk about you know or have talked about and will talk about all this research with the cemetery you know there's like the statesman article where they did this article about the cemetery in like the 1980s it was like the, the place of forgotten souls or something. These people were not forgotten necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to say that some of the guys we affectionately call them creeps. I mean, there were there were definitely some creeps yeah. here who yeah. did horrible, mm-hmm. horrific things. Mm-hmm. But the overwhelming majority uh, were people who, who definitely had a troubled past, mm-hmm. but that served their time, mm-hmm. did their time, just mm-hmm. like Andrew, and and still were connected and attached to this place in that way. So I think just the fact that it's it's got a little bit um, a, a brighter outlook on humanity. Yeah, I mean, I, I always search for those stories because, believe me, we know about the creeps. We know that they, they happen. And I think, you know, Justin, like on a, like on a personal note, like, you know, having a, an estranged family member, my, my father, and, and um, we were able to claim his remains. And again, the, the people that are searching us out are saying, well, nobody loved this guy, you know, or, you know, you don't have to take it if you don't want to. And it's like, there's there's a complicated story mm-hmm. there, you know, and, and I'm human. And those are the questions that I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else? Did he ask any questions about me? And so when you can make those yeah. personal connections, you're, you know, it just, it brings the story to life on a level that, you know, just resonates more with people. And that's, I think, what your guys' goal is with this podcast. And we hope that when people come here, they make those connections. Absolutely. Nice work. Yeah. <laughs> Good you. work, boss. <laughs> what, what? Yeah, yeah. I, that was uh, fun. I love that you've, you've really bridged the gap, you know, between his family. I, the fact that you reached out and, like, mm-hmm. found this and made this connection is, is amazing. And I hope that we can do that more with this podcast. Mm-hmm. The family members will reach out to us and, and say, I didn't know this about my, mm-hmm. you know, or I, I wanted to know more about that. So 
I think is, uh, so often it is that, that there's too many assumptions that are made about the past. And I, yeah. you know, just making it come to life that, that there is Idaho history that is essential to the national story. Mm-hmm. You know, that's essential to people in the South that we, you know, yeah. wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. think that we had this great connection with. But, you know, one of the gals that wrote me from uh, who, who does some of the research who's, who was not a family member, but was we were able to share mm-hmm. the file with. And now she's got that for the for the county there like I said Copacay County in Mississippi she you know she kind of talked about it's one thing for for academics to you know have this we do a great job and we're historians and we 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 put the facts out there but to have this personal story to have the letters to have this correspondence that is 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 so much more brings it to life and she actually she's she's a white woman and she said my family were slave owners Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. um and that's one interesting thing actually that I didn't that I didn't talk about one of these letters so Andrew Gus Davis uh, did not read and write um Mm -hmm. and so somebody was writing this for him um and it happened to be um you know again such an american story so his parents andrew gus davis's and andrew scott's grandparents were slaves Mm -hmm. and it was actually the family that had previously owned them but were you know again a complicated time um had still helped andrew and they you know in the letter it said you know he's he he might be a simple man but he's a good man you Mm -hmm. know and it's just I mean, this is complicated. 1916, mm-hmm. I mean, we're at, you know, and I'm not trying to raise anybody up because I'm s- certain that there was still racism prevalent there, but that, you know, we're all trying to honor the past and but be honest about the past. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, it just speaks more to that where it's like just even this woman saying, you know, I'm not proud to say that my my relatives were, were enslaving people, but I'm glad that the story is out there. You know, I'm glad I yeah. can be a part of it and, and bring it up. So nice. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's great. That's Thanks, awesome. Amber. Yeah, I'm happy to be the first stool pigeon for you. <laughs> yeah. There's no one we'd rather have, I don't think. <laughs> true. Right, boss? That's right. <laughs> boss being the emphasis there. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have anything um, else to say? I don't think so. Probably once I go back to the office, I'll figure out all the things that I want to just say. run back down and just One yell at as we're, as yeah. we're Is it? I think those are the famous last words of anything <laughs> we do. One more so. thing. One more. We've got one more thing to add. One more. All right, well, do your own time. Do your own number. And we'll see you next week. If you enjoyed Behind Gray Walls, please rate, review, and subscribe so others can find our podcast. If you're interested in more Old Idaho Penitentiary information and to see mugshots of the inmates featured in this episode, follow the Old Idaho Penitentiary on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to learn more about the Idaho State Historical Society and its other sites, follow ID State Historical Society on Instagram or visit history.idaho.gov. If you have a question or comment for the hosts, please email us at behindgraywalls at gmail.com.